How to dream, cowboys. Welcome back to the HBO Boys. Today we are continuing our recap and review of season one of Barry. We're going to run through the whole show as we prepare to jump on to season three, which is coming out soon, but we don't know when. Today we're talking about season one, episode three, entitled Make the Unsafe Choice. Directed again by Bill Hader and written by newcomer Duffy Bordeaux. I'm James, and this is Ryan. Hello, I'm Ryan, and it seems as though they're just using Gene Cousineau lines for their titles now. Just forever if I had my way. Yeah, well, I, I, I peeked a little bit at all the titles, and it, and it seems like that's what they're doing for season one, but they dropped that for season two, which is fine. You try something different. Why not? <laughs> yeah, what do they do for season two? What's the vibe? It looks like it might be lines from the show. Hmm. All right. I'll take it. But I'm depressed about it. Quick reminder, before we jump into the recap, we do have a Patreon, hbo.com slash hboboiz, where you can find a backlog of bonus content exclusive to patrons, as well as access to our patrons-only Discord chat, and Ryan will shout your name out at the credits of each show. Yeah, I would recommend doing it over not doing it, personally. That's just me, though. It's a fucking dollar. Jeez. Like, what are you going to spend wow, that gee, dollar that's on? You know? so aggressive. <laughs> you take that dollar and uh, you, 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 you put 29 more dollars in an envelope, you mail it back to last week, and you make a ton of money on GameStop stock. Yeah. I thought you were going <laughs> to take that dollar, shove it up your ass, or, or just, or, or, patreon.com slash HBO boys, boys with a Z. But yeah. GameStop stonks, baby! Barry, episode three. <laughs> We're really dating ourselves. So episode three starts with Barry. He's, like, posted outside of a house in the L.A. suburbs, ready to assassinate the Mark, the Chechnyan job that he's doing in order to save Fuchs's life when he gets a call from everyone's favorite character, Noho Hank. I really like this scene because it illustrates a boss to employee relationship where the employee has everything under control they're gonna do their job they're gonna do it right but then the boss is just like okay but if you could do it this more complicated and stupid way that i want you to do it that would be great thanks yeah no hank wants him to delay the hit because he mailed a single bullet to the bosnian mafia and he wants them to get the bullet as some kind of like the Godfather-esque message, like how you would mail someone a fish so that they could see like, oh, a bullet, what's that mean? Oh no, our our guy is dead it's for dramatic impact. Yeah, the Chechnyans are trying to have a thing and this is the thing they've chosen. And then while Noho Hank then at the end of this call threatens Fuke's life once more, Barry hangs up, he doesn't care. You also, in this scene, it's like the first time we really see Barry kind of flexing, or kind of like expressing his own will and determination more than he has like in most of the scenes. It seems like he is much more, like, much more in the moment and much more self-determined like when he's on a hit than when he is acting or when he is, you know, trying to uh, have a social life. Yeah. He has confidence because this is the thing he can do. He's reading Gene Cousineau's book and getting a bunch of acting tips. 
and also, you know, has a high-powered sniper rifle aimed at a trash can that Paco wops up to every now and again to have a cigarette, but he's not allowed to shoot him, and he's just bummed out that he can't do his job, a job that he knows he can do instantly if someone would just let him. And now he's, like, getting late for acting class, which I'm sure he's already paid for. Oh, for sure. Gene had him pay up front. Waiting to get this call from Hank. And then, meanwhile, Hank, back at Gorin's house with Fuchs, they get the really astounding news that this really badass assassin, Stovka, is coming all the way from Europe to do this job for them. And they're so psyched because he's like a legendary John Wick figure that, uh, you know, just every Chechnyan knows his name. And they can't wait to meet him because he's also like, aside from being the best hitman, he's like a big celebrity. And they're so psyched. And they immediately, they want to take Barry off the job. And I really like that Fuchs is like, okay, so now you have a, a, a second replacement. What's this mean for me and Barry? And, and they answer at the same time. And, and Goran's like, I don't know. I'm going to have to think about it. At the same time as Noho Hank is saying, yeah, I'm not really sure. We got to talk to Goran. He's probably going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Noho Hank also has a great line. I saw Stoveco when I was a kid throw a cigarette at a bird and it fell out of the sky. So then Barry gets called off of the job altogether, and, and he heads down to acting class, where they're doing this, I guess, improvisational acting exercise, where you're just trying to imagine yourself in a room and then live that scene out as Gene directs them. And the first guy tries to do like his childhood bedroom, but not good enough for Gene. Gene calls him off. Sally does, like, a scene from a show she's auditioning for about a woman whose child was, it's not clear, either killed or saved by a gorilla. Like, (laughs) yeah, something happened to the child. The child was in an ape pit, but Gene wants more from her in either case. And Barry, by the way, every time Gene is critical of the people on stage who the audience can decide for themselves whether they're doing a good job or not, Barry's always impressed. He's just like, these guys, wow, they are actually where they think they are. And uh, when I get up there, it is going to go very differently. And right, as you said, Sally is reading a scene from a show that she got a audition for she learned about said audition previously while she was at a birthday party apparently her side job is that she is a princess at birthday parties for children but she takes a call during the party which is very unprofessional her almost agent calls her tells her the auditions that afternoon and you know a little girl goes in circles and off to the side she just lets a child pass out but it's for her career so i understand we cut back to the cops investigating like Lucky and Ryan's shootout. And they get the lead that Ryan was the personal trainer of Goran's wife. So now they are assuming that this is a mob-related hit and that maybe Lucky's shooter was trying to defend Ryan. And so that's the angle they're looking at, like who are Ryan's friends. They go down to the gym and they go down to acting class and they interrupt Barry just absolutely bombing his improv scene where he's trying to pretend like he's going grocery shopping with Gene, and he just, he cannot put himself in that extremely familiar situation. He has no idea where to put his hands. His hands could be anywhere but in a place that feels 
comfortable and he almost it like when the detectives walk in and they're like we need to talk to you guys about ryan madison's murder and for a split second barry is relieved he doesn't have to do the scene anymore and then he's like oh no i was there this is bad but then the cops start questioning ryan's associates and it's very clear once again that like Barry can be confident and Barry can act because he breezes through these questions while all of the innocent actors are like overthinking it and getting nervous and upset. Barry's just like totally calm. They're like, what'd you think of Ryan? Hmm, nice guy. Okay. You know anything about the murder? No, nothing. All right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Another situation that I thought he would be a bit more worried about. I think a bit more nervous during. But apparently anything that even has a trajectory around hire for murder, he's he's just totally fine with. And he leaves and probably needs to get back to the hit he's supposed to be on. But then gets, you know, distracted once more from Sally needing a favor. Well, it's interesting to what you were just saying. that it, it's, it's almost like all of the hitman shit, like Barry's just like over it. It's nothing to him. If it's not about acting, he's just not interested. And so getting interviewed by the cop is like, okay, this is just one more bullshit thing I have to do before I can go back to acting. <laughs> the thing that stuck out to me in this scene was that Sally was on during her interview. Like you could tell that she was thinking in her head, like how can this interview about my friend's murder with the police help my acting career? Like everything she puts everything in that context, like her entire life. But yeah, Barry, it almost seems like he's not thinking to himself, if I don't do this well, I could be arrested and then go to jail for the rest of my life for attempted murder. He's he's not, if he is thinking that, then he's being like way cooler than I assumed his character could be. And But I don't think he is. I think he's just like, all right, well, this cop interview needs to go faster because I need to go murder somebody else. Yeah, as you said, Sally wants Barry's help running lines for her audition, which, I mean, he's happy to do. She got this audition through someone that she used to work with. And I'm not really sure what was the nature of the show. They were they were bombers or something. What was she talking yeah. about? Yeah. So <laughs> she is auditioning with a woman named Liv, a girl she did a show with about five years earlier. And it was about roller derby. And it was called Bonnie and the Boston Bombers, where... Okay. Sally played Bonnie and Liv was on the team and it came out or it was going to come out the week after the Boston bombing. So Uh it didn't work out for (laughs) obvious reasons. Okay. Well, that makes more sense than what I thought. (laughs) So she goes in for the audition and she sees her old friend and her old friend was the one who scored her this audition. And again, we get more of an insight into like the kind of shitty mentality that Sally has. This person she used to work with and likes Sally and wants to work with Sally again and so got her this audition. But Sally cannot get over the fact that this person who started out at the same time as her is now starring in a show and she's just auditioning for like a recurring part, uh, a secondary character. And she breaks down in the interview, fucks it up, fucks up the audition and then, like, rages at Barry about how much she hates this friend of hers who was, like, trying to set her up. Yeah, misplaced aggression, obviously. And you're right. It is a moment of weakness. Like, 
Sally's entire character is this facade of confidence. How can anything and everything I do help my future acting career? But when met with struggle to her face, she does not take it well, obviously. Uh, I, I do want to go back for one moment. Before we leave the cop interview, I do want to point out that Gene hits on Detective Moss. Yeah, he tries to pick her up and just, you know, he just fucking bombs. No reaction from her. <laughs> but I feel like he didn't pick up on that. Or if he did, he's just like, I still got it. Like, I think this is going to turn out just fine. As for Sally, though, like, that personality trait is one of the things that in real life I just, like, really gets someone who cannot be happy for other people. And anytime, like, one of their friends or family members succeeds, they just get really jealous and, and only have yeah. shitty things to say. I hate that kind of person. Uh, me too. It's a very, like, how is this about you again moment? Like, <laughs> if you got out of your own head and only just focused on what you need to accomplish in this moment, perhaps happiness could be on the other side of this supposed figurative fence that you've erected for yourself. But somehow you're just like on top of the fence, riding it like a goddamn horse, and it's impaling you slowly. Because I put a lot of thought into this. Anyway, yeah, it's it's not about you. Get over it. Oh, it's like it's doubly worse in Sally's case because it's like, yeah, your friend not just only found success, but they're trying to take you with them, and 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 you're angry about that. It's I don't know. It's very pathetic. It's part of the whole like stereotype that i have in my head of like hollywood types you know yes they're just backbiting and 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 they're very very envious and then post that moment blaming the failure on them and not themselves just having no self-reflection whatsoever as many a person has when they're in a situation and they're like oh god i am failing whose fault is this it's definitely not mine so Barry gets the call that the bullet has been delivered, so now he can go do his job. And and he's posted back in his sniper's nest, waiting to take him out, but then he's also still has like Sally on the phone and she's griping and griping and griping about this friend of hers that she apparently hates. And because he's distracted, Barry isn't able to shoot the guy, and so he has to snake in and take him out close quarters. And as he's strangling the dude with piano wire or whatever, he says something to him in Spanish, and Barry doesn't speak Spanish, but but he's able to remember it. And, oh, sorry, there's a really important scene that happened just before this. Okay. Back at Gorin's house, this is the most fucked up thing that happened in the episode. Fuchs is, like, there when Strovka arrives, and, and everyone's getting selfies with him. They're so happy to see him. They're like, okay, Strovka, just relax. And uh, you've added an R at some point to Stovka's it, name. Stovka, okay. I thought there was an R in there. No, oh, it is from the Stovka. beginning of this episode, you you had it right. Then you've in, somehow in the middle, you're like, you know, it would be better in this name, an R dead in the center. Okay. Well, I don't know anything about Chechnya. Just that it's yeah. a small country. Oh, I I don't know anything. When I had to (laughs) spell Chechnya and I did it in word and it didn't have the squiggly red underneath, I was like, are you, you're serious? Okay, I don't believe you, but. They leave him alone with Fuchs and and Fuchs is like, just trying to talk Stovka out of killing him and Barry. He's like, you know, uh, leave me alive. There's a lot of cool things I could do for you. I know some chicks you could meet. You could start a, a pretty happy life here in America. And 
Stovka, it seems like, has been processing some things for a while now, because he's pretty much been in a funk since we saw him come on screen. And everything that Fuchs says just, like, makes him more despondent. He's like, yeah, I, I don't want to meet any girls. Uh, uh, women hate me. Uh, <laughs> my, my life is just about killing and violence. And, yeah, uh, it really hits all the Stovka-based buttons simultaneously. Really fucks him up. And so Stovka just kills himself. He kills himself rather than, like, having to continue to talk to Fuchs. <laughs> and, uh... I love the line here when Gorin comes in. He's like, what What did you do? He's like, listen, I was not doing any Hannibal Lecter shit, okay? I was not trying to get into his head. I was begging for my life. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I, although I think this scene was purposeful in that I think it exists to show that Fuchs does have some value. Because previous to this, we had a conversation where, you know, Barry is a contract killer, very good at murdering people for money. Which, if you are the, like, pimp slash the boss of that guy, you have to have some value. It, and because you could just be killed by them if they decide to one day and they wake up and they're like, wait, I have all the guns. Why am I paying attention or taking any guff from this bro? But this scene shows that where Barry is bad in social situations that need some finesse, Obviously, Fuchs has some talent there, enough where he made a depressed man kill himself, which isn't exactly next-level shit, but he did succeed in a place where I think Barry would have failed, and most people would have, in fact. And then he does finesse the situation where he convinces Gorin to, like, renegotiate the contract for Barry to do the hit and kind of normalize their relations, and he also... He deeply criticizes the bullet mailing thing as just, you know, putting a hat on a hat and unnecessary, and in mm. doing so, kind of robs Noho Hank of his power a little bit, because that was Noho Hank's idea, and he gets Gorin to turn on it. Yeah, he criticizes it as a lateral move, Noho Hank gets sent out of the room, and he has Gorin tell him the Bolivian leader's name, which is Cristobal, and... Fuchs says Barry can take the Bolivian stash house and kill Cristobal. How about we get rid of the lateral moves and we start moving on up to the east side? I gotta work in my singing, you know? After the hit, and Barry has not even gotten off the phone with Sally the entire time, she wants to see him right away. She doesn't want to be alone. To me, this is immediately an indicator of, like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to fuck. But Barry doesn't seem to understand that. No. And when he gets there, she does kiss him, and they do sleep together. And then they go grocery shopping for soup, which is a callback to the class. And then later, uh, when they go to bed, Barry repeats in Spanish what his hit had said to him. And Sally translates it for him. It means you don't have to do this. And and Barry thinks, like, oh, yeah, I, I guess I really don't. I don't have to. Also, that's sad that that guy was saying that. But also, I don't have to. Somewhere in all of this, by the way, Apron Guy was taking more pictures of Barry and Sally together, which is assumably bad news, although Fuchs is finessing the situation, as we previously stated. And Noho Hank calls him when he's on his way over to Sally's house. Barry's just like, it's done. 
tell Fuchs that that's done. Let him go. Give us the money. Bing, bang, boom. That's complete. And then he hangs up on NoHo Hank, which is his new favorite move. Yeah, NoHo Hank can't get any respect now. He's getting shit left and right. I know. I do feel bad for him. He's the best character on the show, and he is just getting shafted. When Sally and Barry go shopping, by the way, that is a daydream. And okay. didn't actually happen the, the exact thing that they were talking about. What he was trying to do on stage earlier was just happening in that daydream. Sally is dressed up very nicely. She's like a successful actress. So is Barry. I only know all these things because of the after interview with Alec Bergen and Barry. They were talking about it and they were just doing normal shit in a grocery store. Something that he has to daydream about because, you know, he kills people for a living. So it seems to me that Fuchs is now, like, ascendant, and he also doesn't seem to be taking the situation seriously enough, and he's about to make shit so much worse for them, and Barry wants out, he wants to be done, and Fuchs is about to escalate the situation uh, by a hundred times by killing another mob boss and starting a mob war. Yeah, and Barry has to be the one to do it. Uh, Like, he... You have to go take a stash house and kill a mob boss. That's like the exact opposite of not doing this anymore. Although, in, in Fuchs's to very weakly defend Fuchs, because honestly, sure. he, he should be able to just intuit this himself. Barry has not strongly enough communicated that he is out. No, he tried lying <laughs> instead of just like telling Fuchs the truth. Even though I think if he told Fuchs the truth, it wouldn't work anyway. Because this is Fuchs' value, right? Him being the Barry pimp is in a life that I feel we don't have the full context of this, but I assume has felt up until this point unfulfilling. He finally feels like he has found something that he's good at sitting in a Chechenian's house, talking him into taking a stash house, you know, that has to apply some value to him. And again this is just you know the exact opposite of what barry wants to be doing all the while all this is happening while sally is going off on another rant about how she believes she was sabotaged by Liv, which is infuriating bullshit (laughs) and this is also this i mean this is something that i i often struggle with this as well dancing around a confrontation that you need to have seeing how far you can push it off seeing how far you can guide the other person into just like coming to your conclusion for you when you really just need to say the thing. Manipulation is the word you're looking for. (laughs) And I'm the exact opposite. I get caught where I just have the confrontation. I force it, perhaps even before it needs to happen. But I'm just like, it's going to happen anyway. There's no use in dancing around this bush. Let's light this bush on fucking fire and see how it goes. You know, so, and a lot of the time, you can get out of the end of that and be like, <laughs> well, I wasn't being a pussy. I'm a male. I'm a mansplained. Feel like I'm a penis. Anyway, and then also you get out of the other side of it a lot, and you're like, I bet I could have handled that better. Thanks for listening, guys. If you want to hear more of us, we have a ton of a back catalog. Just check that out as well if you want to hear some bonus weird shit that we get up to on the Patreon. That's HBO Boys with a B-O-I-Z on Patreon. I already said that word. Also, we're on social media. He's at Westworld Ryan. I'm at James Watches Men. There's a Facebook page as well. You can leave us a nice review on whatever podcast app you're listening to this on. Also, we have a lot of like weird projects coming down the pike to keep a lookout for. The third episode of our Call of Cthulhu tabletop podcast is 
right now in the writing process. Ryan just showed on our Discord the logo for a project he's got going as well. Yeah, I'm writing a murder mystery that then James and the audience simultaneously will try to solve, which I think will be fun. As you said previously, the third episode of the Call to Cthulhu campaign, which is my favorite thing that we've ever done. I think people should go listen to the first two hours. I love them so, so, so much. And the pipeline is full of also things that might happen. And if they do, it's very exciting. And if it doesn't, don't worry about it. You never even heard about it. So no, no skin off your shit. I'm also getting really into political prop bets, uh, and so is my my brother Dave. And so I was looking at there are no big, or maybe none at all, podcasts around internet political prop bets. So I was thinking, why don't I start one with my brother, and I could call it the Prop Betty Brothers. Okie dokie. (laughs) Well, while I stand firm... That every time you try to clout chase, I will be by your side because it has worked out for us previously. I mean, just like based on the amount of people who listen to us now and the fact that we don't have any advertisers, I guess you could argue that it hasn't exactly worked out. But every step forward is a good one. So Prop Betty Brothers, I (laughs) fucking love that name. Good luck to you guys. And as always, thank you very much to our patrons, Jamie Lochner, Anthony Wells, Harbaugh, Greg, Nicole, Dalo, and Podcast, James Watch, My Dawn, Cliff Wilding, Anthony is Unstoppable, Chris Wood, Brent Candidate, Avalon, and Westworld, Craig, Buckman, Dodgers, Major Woody, and Carol Andreas. <gasps> Thanks. And we will be back here next week. Next week, we will have Barry, Season 1, Episode 4. Ryan's going to join Chad and I for WandaVision. Every night, I get the urge to be like, I'm James. And I'm Ryan. <laughs> and this is the HBO Boys podcast. Never say it, or I'm going to finish it every time. <laughs>